0: St. Thomas the Apostle thought that the resurrection of Jesus was too good to be true. Despite the fact that it's all his friends would ever talk about for an entire week, he just couldn't bring himself to believe. Unless he could, as he says, literally stick his finger into those nail marks in Jesus' hands. Or actually literally put his hand into the wounded side of Jesus. But until then, he wouldn't buy it. It all just seemed way too good to be true. I wonder if that is how we sometimes approach the message of divine mercy. Does mercy ever seem to you to be a little too good to be true? Does it ever seem like wishful thinking, a little unreasonable to you, that God would show his unconditional goodness towards the absolute worst sinners? Not nice sins, not little one-time sins that we can more or less brush off. As momentary weaknesses. No, we're talking about the most wicked, the most deliberate, the most devastating, the most habitual sins. The things that you regret the most. The choices that you wouldn't dare tell anyone else about. The stuff that you struggle with day in and day out. Divine mercy is available for precisely those sins. Think about it for just a moment. There's literally nothing that you could do, no sin that you could ever commit, no betrayal that Jesus will not completely wipe away and totally forgive if only you come to him with love in your heart, with sorrow, with true contrition, with a firm resolve that you really do want to change your life. And all of this is totally free. It's not able to be earned in any way. It's grace. That almost seems way too good to be true. Now, at some level, that sort of reaction might actually be coming from a good place. It's it's at least honest, because let's face it, divine mercy is actually outrageous. It's scandalously good news. It doesn't make sense. It's overwhelmingly amazing. The fact of God's infinite and inexhaustible mercy towards humanity is is just as crazy as when St. Thomas first heard his friends talking about Jesus raised from the dead. In fact, I would go so far as to say that if divine mercy is a little too believable to you, if it's a little too obvious, a little too predictable, or automatic, then I have to wonder if you have the right idea of what divine mercy really, truly is. So perhaps before going any further into this homily, we should first kind of establish what mercy is not. So, mercy is not about being nice. Mercy is not about saying that that God could never allow anyone to go to hell, ever. Mercy is not about pretending that our choices don't matter or that there will never be any kind of consequences. Mercy is not about ignoring sin or making light of it. Mercy is not about repeatedly putting God to the test or presuming upon his forgiveness as if we would never need to change. Mercy is not about ignoring the real pain and the real damage that sin does in our lives and in our communities. Mercy takes sin seriously. Absolutely, seriously, True divine mercy admits that breaking our relationship, our friendship with God, actually is eternally awful. That it ruins something in us. It it shatters lives and it and it and it stains our soul. It is something that makes us less than human, subhuman. We cannot confuse mercy with moral flabbiness or or worse, moral apathy. When the church declares, as we did in our psalm this morning, that God's love and mercy endures forever, she's not saying that all we have to do is just become a little bit more easygoing, or that we need to start turning a blind eye to real issues, or that we need to be less concerned with the state of our souls. Because if that's all that divine mercy is, well then it's not that great. It's not even worth believing in. You can get that kind of mercy out there on the streets. A kind of cheap, reductive, uninteresting, fake mercy. A mercy that says, oh, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Just do what you want. God is merciful. Now, if we're going to take divine mercy seriously, then we have to take sin seriously. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. St. Paul tells us that the wages of sin is death. Choosing something less than God actually hurts us and the people around us, period. And mercy doesn't discount that for one single second. I suspect, however, though, that this morning on Divine Mercy Sunday, those of us inside the church are actually wrestling with something a little bit different than kind of presuming God's mercy. Now, I think perhaps instead of presuming upon God's mercy in kind of this, oh, you're fine, whatever kind of way, I think that we often find ourselves doubting that divine mercy is even possible for us, that it really is too good to be true. Maybe all you can see is God's perfect justice. Maybe all you can imagine is kind of this harsh and angry, ultra-legalistic God who is keeping count of your sins and demanding retribution for every single one of your mistakes. Maybe you're caught In the throes of scrupulosity, obsessed with wondering if you've crossed that line into mortal sin, rather than what you should be obsessed with, which is the love of God in Jesus Christ. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe in mercy. That's what we're saying. Now, if that describes you at some level, as it describes me at times, then I invite you to listen to these soothing and yet challenging words from Jesus to St. Faustina. He says this I want to keep pouring the flames of mercy out upon souls. He wants to. But souls just don't want to believe in my goodness. They just don't want to believe in my goodness. Do you hear that? Jesus wants to offer you perfect and complete mercy. He wants you to let go of all of your burdens, to be totally free of that guilt you're carrying around and all of that shame that you've been dragging around. But too often, we don't want to believe. We doubt God's goodness. And how tragic that is. Apparently, it's so tragic that it's it's what happened to those fallen angels, the demons. Because in that same diary to St. Faustina, Christ has these words. Even the devils glorify my justice, but they do not believe in my goodness. Why? Why did they not believe that God the Father wanted to lavish them with his goodness. Why didn't they believe? Because they thought it was too good to be true. And so the demons laugh. They belittle. In their rage and pain, they tear everything down and hurl accusations and insults. They cannot imagine a truly good and merciful God, a God who is tender. A God who is a father towards weak, broken, little sinners. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to their deception. They want you to think that divine mercy is too good to be true. They want you to think that it's too late. You went too far this time. You broke that commandment one too many times and now it's off. You've confessed that same sin to that same priest Countless times, and oh, he's getting annoyed. He's bothered by you. You shouldn't go to confession anymore. Just give up. Mercy has run out for you. You are a failure. Here's the good news on Divine Mercy Sunday you can completely ignore all that. Just ignore it. Jesus wants you to ignore those lies, He wants you to have mercy. Instead, just turn and direct your gaze to this beautiful image we have over here. Look at Jesus in this image of divine mercy. Don't you see his goodness there? His eyes are so serene. He's so calm. There's no harshness there, no hatred, no trace of, I told you so. Only peace. Shalom. That is the word that he speaks over his apostles when he first visits them in that upper room after rising from the dead. Peace be with you. Peace and divine mercy always go hand in hand. The prayers of the Mass and of the sacraments that we receive, testify to this. At every liturgy of the Eucharist, we hear the priest say, Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. And we we start to think about, oh, we know what we're about to do. We're about to shake hands, we're about to give the peace sign, we know what's up, Father, we're ready, we're ready. As soon as you say, the the peace of the Lord be with you always, we we know we're going to go for it. It's going to be fun. But but I want you to pause, maybe at this Mass, pause and reflect. What peace are we talking about there? The peace that comes from the blood of the cross, the blood that takes away the sins of the world. And then the priest immediately adds a prayer for divine mercy. He says, look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. We're talking to God. Don't look at our sins, Lord. Look at the faith of the church faith in what? In God's steadfast love and mercy, a mercy that endures forever. That is the faith that conquers the world, as St. John in our second reading said today. Or think of the sacrament of reconciliation, which Christ instituted in today's gospel when he breathes on his apostles and tells them to go out and to forgive people's sins What do we hear when we go to confession in the prayer of absolution but those amazing words through the ministry of the church, through the ministry of those apostles that got breathed on? May God give you pardon and peace. Pardon and peace. Mercy and peace. They are inseparable. Jesus' words to St. Faustina come to mind once again. Mankind will not have peace. We will not have peace until it turns to the fount of mercy. This is not wishful thinking. This is not too good to be true. It's precisely what our risen and glorified Lord wants to produce and create and establish in you today. Jesus says to you and me both, Just as he once said to his friend, St. Thomas the Apostle, Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Come to the fount of his mercy. Come to those sacred wounds and believe. Believe in the goodness of God. Believe that mercy has not run out and it never will. Believe that the fount of mercy is truly, truly inexhaustible.